1: Listening to Rum, Buncher Radio. It is 2024. We are back. Nick Caporosso, Marty Lee, Trey Yenity here to break down this winter for the Pittsburgh Pirates this offseason as we get set for what is going to be a pivotal year for the Pirates in 2024. And gentlemen, to be honest, as we start this episode tonight, I figured by January of 2024, there may be some other guys to talk about, some pieces that, Get too excited for the season. And while there are some players that have been added to the roster via free agency, trade, whatever the case, that you do get excited about for 2024, I don't know that overall we feel um, as excited or as uh, enthused about what is ahead here for the Pirates as maybe we expected to when this offseason began. Uh, Nick, we didn't have you on the last episode. Uh, I think that was probably early December, maybe late November, before a lot of these moves went down that we're going to talk about tonight. But excited to hear your thoughts literally on the off offseason. Uh, and of course, Marty, as well, to get your thoughts on the Marco Gonzalez signing, Andrew McCutcheon uh, getting his contract figured out, along with a few other moves that are really going to shape this season. Um, you know, while we get the chance here to preview what is ahead, um, you know, what we expect to see before... The Pirates get down to Bradenton for spring training. So beginning of the episode tonight. As always, guys, please check us out. Rumbler.com. You can find uh, Nick's article talking about the free agency window opening up. Marty's article about uh, maybe some worries and concerns of Marco Gonzalez. And, uh, of course, all the articles that our staff writers uh, are working on here. So much great stuff. Detailing the soft season. Uh, fun winter meetings. Maybe a, a less stressful winter meetings, if you want to call it that, than the last few that we've had um and of course you know previewing what's to come here in 2024, we got snow everywhere. I'm based out of Nashville. You guys, of course, out of Pennsylvania. We have some crazy winter weather here uh, in the early part of this January season, gentlemen. How is it going up there in Pennsylvania? I know uh, we're talking negative temperatures. I believe it's
2: freezing cold, like the the market for the pirates. You know, it's just that uh, it was good, right? Like. But now, yeah, it's real cold. It's snowy. You know, schools are delaying and canceling. So it's uh, honestly kind of came out of nowhere. It was looking kind of like we weren't going to have much of a winter again. But we'll see how long this lasts for.
1: How was the Christmas, gentlemen? We haven't been back since Christmas, since the new year. Uh, And it was kind of a weird weather season in general. But uh, did you guys have a good Christmas?
3: Yeah, you know, I can't complain from the leap household for Christmas. Um, I'm sure the the in the Caparoso household, you know, can really kind of be a little more little more settled in this year with Christmas and not having a uh, a newborn on the way right around the Christmas time. So I'm sure that's uh certainly uh, like added to the
2: excitement this year. Crazier. It might have been crazier, have <laughs> it, your first birthday And the twenty eighth. You know, and just family coming in, and, and for that, and New Year's, and Christmas, you know, just lots of running around for the first Christmas, the first first birthday. Well, I
3: mean, as a as you know, since we were unable to make it to the party as a result, my house was also quarantined with COVID over Christmas. At least you didn't have to deal with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. The other good news. The other good news is that no one got her anything with uh, pirates related. don't't yeah,
3: so. don't, don't, don't drag her down that road
2: sure. no one no one is making her uh, you know take on that burden like.
1: <laughs> there's still a chance. there's still a chance uh, for young Deanna It's first Christmas first uh, birthday there and uh, you know wishing a, a Merry Christmas to everybody and a late happy new year as well um you said it nick this has been uh an eventful excuse me uneventful offseason here a cold one might call freezing market for the pittsburgh pirates and moves were made you know we're not talking about the same team that we were talking about when the season ended in september um but this has been uh i guess what you would call a disappointing offseason as a whole um as you look to 2024 and um you know, I love your allegory there to start it with the snow, but how about uh, just a, a simple analogy here? Let's say you meet a girl. It's 2020. You're trying to find a wife and you start that process. You get down the road a little bit. All of a sudden it's three and a half years later and uh, you know, not a lot has changed. Nick Caparoso, are you continuing to, this is just a hypothetical, are you continuing to, uh, to date this girl in hopes that it is a beautiful marriage one day.
2: I'm I'm confused. Are you talking about Mike Tomlin or are you talking about the Pirates?
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's a two decade long. There's all kinds <laughs> of intricacies with Mike Tomlin. Let's go Pirates.
2: It's funny when you take a step back how things aren't always that different um, in a way. <laughs> but anyhow, what was your question? <laughs>
1: How do we feel ultimately? And, and you know, Nick, we didn't have you on our last episode. And yeah, kind of yeah. where I want oh, to start. So I man, I my patience is
2: wearing thin. I told, a texted Marty the other day, and I said it's you know it's starting to feel like a burden to like follow this team. Um, it's just, you know, we've been doing this since 2016. We started Clemente as well, our previous blog in 2014 you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of good to write about, you know, and it's, it's tough being optimistic, um, you know, over and over again and buying into rumors and buying into hires and interviews and whatever, and then just consistently being let down. And, you know, every time we turn a corner, there's some something else that happens like, you know this off season we've had two guys who already need Tommy John surgery like including the guy who's literally supposed to be you know the the best offensive prospect we have like in terms of um you know rankings so it's just you know it's it's one thing after another you know and even you see stuff like that you know, I I think we'll talk about a little later. But you see, per, former players who are still bringing up things about the Pirates organization that just continues to show like something's off, something is missing with the Pirates versus a lot of the other teams in the league and. You know, it's just it's 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 been tough to stay positive and optimistic. And then you throw in this off season so far, and it's been you know very lackluster. Like honestly, don't know. They they very well could lose more games than they lost this past year, and that that to me is not what. The well, we down. Well, we'll down. <laughs> now,
1: <laughs> you know, you're, you're thrilled with the offseason, right?
3: Yeah. I just, you know, Nick, you kind of touched on it. I think the hardest part is, you know, th- there really isn't a lot of reason for optimism. You know, this is year five of this rebuild of Ben Charrington chair- tearing it all down, blowing it up, starting over. And, like, baseball prospectus released their top 100 prospects today. And five years into this, they only have two guys in the top 100. Like, I, I mean, I understand that's awesome. just
2: who they took. First
3: number one overall, like surefire best pitching prospects in Strasburg. Yeah. So it's like, I understand. That's just one publication, but it's not, they're not the only one that doesn't have a lot of pirate guys. Um, you know, I think it was baseball America earlier this off season rating farm system, just based solely on their pitchers. And it was the pitcher stuff. Um, I forget exactly how they calculated it, but it was something with just, Track
2: and
3: yeah, and the pirates were like twenty eighth out of thirty teams, and it's just like my god, like they're
2: like like Oakland, who like obviously is you know like
3: Oakland's not even hiding the (laughs) fact, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oakland's in that like Phoenix Coyotes like category of like are they really? uh, I'm I'm yeah.
3: Oakland is currently what the Cleveland Indians were in Major League. The ownership is not even trying to hide Let's the fact see. that they don't Let's care see. and they don't want to win. Like they want to lose baseball games so they can get the hell out of Oakland. Right. Like
2: Major it, it, League hits money ball, you know? Yes, yeah,
3: it, really, it really is. And it's just, it's, I don't know. You know, you look at what they've done this offseason, re signing Andrew McCutcheon is great, obviously. But man, like, what have they done to really improve? You know, Rowdy Telez is coming off a horrible year in Milwaukee. Um, it, it's you, you look at the additions to the starting rotation, Martin Perez stinks. Marco Gonzalez. I, you, man, that forearm nerve that's, that's worrisome. And even before that, he did not pitch well before getting hurt last year. He did not pitch well in 2022, does not miss bats. Um, I I don't know. I I don't know what we're doing here. I mean, we'll get into it as we go on. I know they've made a legitimate effort on some of these other pitchers, but at the same time, you know, when you are the highest bidder on some free agents and they have been on at least two starting pitchers that went elsewhere and those guys don't want to come to your team because they don't trust your development. They look at you and don't think you're close to contending. Um, that's all stuff that falls squarely at the feet of the front office, and that's the kind of stuff I think you're getting at, Nick. To where it's hard, it's really hard to have any optimism <laughs> at all about the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. And you know, when you texted me that the other day, I agree with you completely. It, it's 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 a chore, it's a burden. It feels like to truly really be a fan of this team and try and watch them. And it's like I'm like, not that I'm not looking forward to baseball season, but I'm not looking forward to having to watch them every day. I can tell you that.
2: But we are like you know, yeah. and. That's-
3: I'll put myself through it, and if they win games, I love every second of it. You know,
2: really, you know, as we're sitting here recording this, you know, it's because we like the Pirates, right? But like, it's just, you know, we we're obviously in a position where, you know, our voice can be heard a little bit, and we we try to be positive because we try to understand where the Pirates are compared to other teams in baseball. In the grand scheme of things, yes, we get that they're going to have to operate a certain way, but, you know, after a while, it starts to get comical. Um, You know, our payroll is lower now than it was, like, 10 years ago, and it's, like, every other team I'm pretty sure you can check, and it's probably, you know, other than – again, other than, like, Oakland, right? Like, they're probably moving their payroll up. Like, you know, it's just – I get the teardown, but it, like Marty said, it's it's year five, and we're having this conversation of like, are we excited? Like, are are we going to contend? I should say not excited, but are we going to contend? And it's like, I don't know. Like I said, we could lose more game. We could we could lose more games this year. Um, the additions they've made so far are just additions like martin perez okay like yeah he was very very good two years ago and last year like obviously you know not a super good year that's why he's here on a one-year deal but like it's a pitcher here on a one-year deal who's 33 like i can guarantee you that's going one of probably one ways and it's going to be him off the roster by august Okay, and even if they're in it, you know, I wouldn't rule that out with with the way they're acting. And it's the same thing with Gonzalez. Like you said, Marty, like you're bringing in this pitcher who essentially you got for free and you're trying to sell it as like an upgrade. And it's like, is it an upgrade over Rich Hill? I don't know. <laughs> like.
3: Uh, I mean, You look at Gonzalez, the only reason you got him is because Atlanta was willing to take on the salary so they could acquire Jared Kalanick. And at that point, they just wanted him off their roster. Um, you know, you mentioned the payroll. You don't even need to go back 10 years. The, the current projected payroll for 2024 is $11 million less than what the payroll was on opening day last year. Um, the opening day payroll last year was $73 million. The current with with arbitration numbers put in the current projected payroll for this year, 62 million. That's inexcusable. Um, especially when you know, coming into the offseason, you had the front office talking about it. this was going to be an off season where they're gonna to look to build, look to build towards contending, add payroll, do this, do that. And they haven't done any of it. Um, and you know, again, th- this is something that the blame goes a lot of different ways. Obviously, Bob Nutting leaves a lot to be desired as an owner. But Bob Nutting has also proven in the past, and I know a lot of people choose to ignore this, but it's true, that when this team's in a position to contend, he's willing to up payroll and spend money. Like I said, right now, the projected payroll for 2024 is $62 million. Um, you go back to 2013, and, and it was $66 million, which is only $4 million more, but obviously $66 million. 12 years ago or whatever that is, is a lot different than it is now. It jumped to 71 and 14. It jumped to 90 million in 2015 was 99 million in 2016 was still north of 90 million in 2017 and 2018. Like when, when this team is in a position to contend um, Bob Nutting will spend more. And I I know in the past when he's been on the show, Michael McHenry has told us how that's one thing people don't understand about Bob Nutting is when Neil Huntington would go to him with a laid out plan of like, Bob, we need to spend money. Here's why, here's how it's going to help us. He's a businessman. He needs to see that. He'll sign off on it then. So, yes, the ownership needs to be willing to open up the pockets to spend more. But I also think that, you know, Ben Charrington and his group need to do a better job of presenting things to him. They need to do a better job of discerning where they're going to allocate this money, who they target, things of that nature. Because for your payroll, to be $11 million less projected $11 million less than it was on opening day last year. And, you know, you go back to 2018 and you're talking 30 plus million dollars less payroll that shouldn't be happening. There there's, there's no reason for that. None whatsoever. If this was year one or two of the rebuild, it'd be different, but in year five, your payroll should be a hell of a lot higher than it is. And I think that falls to the feet of a lot of people in the front office, you know, ownership, general manager, team president. I think it falls at all of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, and we like you said, like when we look back at those 2015, 2016 payrolls and the 90-ish millions, like those were kind of high at the time. They were they were higher in terms of like the overall team rankings. I believe they were closer to like, you know, number 20 in spending, like or you know, somewhere in between 15 and 20. And I don't know. It's like we've gotten further away from that number as time's gone on and like the market has gotten more expensive. So it's like I I just like if we are willing to spend. 80 million then then this payroll should be, you know, definitely closer to 100 million now and it's not like you said, and, and it's why, you know, and, you know, we've, we've hinted at some stuff, like we've said about free agents not wanting to sign here. Like it's, it seems to be an issue. And this is why I wish things could be a little more public because it does sound like they've missed out on what, three or four players this off season, including, like you said, one, um, Shamanaya who, we had a very aggressive offer to like, and he just chose to go elsewhere, you know, then you have a couple of the foreign pitchers you are um, talking to who on the international market. And they choose, they, they have a lot of power to kind of choose where they go. And they, again, they choose um, the one took a minor league deal with the Rays, which is like, red flag city for me. Like, (laughs) and then the other one was obviously going to the Cubs and I get the Cubs are a bigger market team. I do. But again, when your payroll's at $64 million, you know, if that means you have to offer up an additional amount of money, like maybe you got to do it at this point because where your team is, like, competitive wise i think people don't view the pirates as a serious team and the only way you're gonna get some of these guys at this point is to actually you know spend spend a little more money and like you said marty it's about the front office identifying who that money is worth spending it on but like if you're if you're all in on um Imanaga, then it's like, go, then be all in on him. Get him. Yeah. More Cubs, because you need him more than the Cubs.
3: Yes. I mean, this starting rotation right now, I don't think it's, it is by far the worst than national league central. And I mean, you look across national league. I think it's comfortably bottom three, bottom four. Like this rotation is bad. It, it is. It's, it's bad. So like they need all the help. And you know, you mentioned pay what you got to pay, go all in. He had plenty of warts and flaws as a general manager, but that's one thing when when they won in 13, 14, 15, Neil Huntington did a good job of. Look, look at Russell Martin. When they signed him ahead of 2013, they identified him as a the guy they wanted, they needed, they thought could help this team win. They went all in. They gave him a, they offered him more money than anybody else. They offered him two years and a lot of teams that only offer one. They probably got a little uncomfortable at times with what they offered, but they got the deal done. They got their player, and it worked out. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You know, you go back to the. We, way we
2: did it years later too with Cervelli? They gave up yeah. Justin Wilson, who was like looked to be like a potential back end left handed reliever, like who you would have for f- five more years. Mm-hmm. You, you have, have to. It, it's just it's frustrating. Like you know, go but
3: go back to. The winter meetings when word was the pirates, there was mutual interest between the Pirates and Jack Flaherty. And the big issue was the
2: pirates were not willing to be flexible on the years.
3: And it's it, it a
2: better it, example than what I was trying to get at earlier. I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's what happens. Flare. Right. Yeah,
3: give, give him the years. Give it to him. It's not. It wasn't going to hurt. You know, if, if it, he stinks so well, your rotation stinks anyway. Like I, I just Even I don't
2: another it. year anyhow. Like you'll
3: figure it out next year then. Yeah. <laughs> And the thing is, it's like you always need starting pitching. You can never have too much of it. Like you said, they would have figured it out. These things worked themselves out. I mean, just just look at last year. By the time you got to May, your rotation was nuked essentially because Brew Baker needed Tommy John and Burroughs needed Tommy John, and Vince Velasquez's elbow blew up, and Ron Contreras forgot how to pitch, and that was all within the first six weeks of the season. It's baseball. You can never have too much starting pitching. And here the Pirates are without even enough to field a. A, a starting rotation with five legitimate major league arms in it. Like, who fills out the back of this rotation right now? Quinn Priester, Luis Ortiz, Ronzi Contreras. It's a scary thought. Not, not to mention that your number two, and number three guy aren't exactly reliable. Yeah, you're talking
2: about the the back of the <laughs> rotation, back end's plenty filled. It's the issue it is one through four. Yeah. Like, I don't even know <laughs> who the number four is. <laughs> Keller will slot
1: in Keller at one, three, two, for, two through four. Your race is so questionable.
2: Is, and I've said this throughout the offseason,
3: and this isn't a knock on Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller's a good starting pitcher, obviously, but he's not that true number one lockdown horse. And when you don't have that, you then need to assemble multiple really good number two and three types to supplement your rotation when you don't have that horse at the top, which they don't have
2: more mitch keller like is that's all like yeah
3: exactly if you have three mitch kellers
2: you're you're okay we're getting more rich hills yeah if you have
3: mitch keller and two soft tossing lefties you don't miss bats one of which may not be able to feel his left forearm that's not okay
2: listen marty that might be part of it
3: It's, I, I mean, I, I wrote about this, but yeah, if, Mark, it
2: on if you already can't feel anything, <laughs> if,
3: if Marco Gonzalez turns into Harleen Garcia 2.0, is it gonna surprise
2: you? Talk <laughs> about talk about a guy. <laughs> I, again, like just the stuff that happens to the Pirates is just it's unexplainable. <laughs> you can't make talk it up. We're talking about. It makes perfectly good sense because we signed him last offseason, Jarlene Garcia. We signed him to a one year deal with an option um to be a lefty reliever in the bullpen. And you know, this is why Jose Hernandez ends up getting, you know, a legitimate opportunity to stay in the team's bullpen, which might have been honestly best case scenario anyhow but Garcia never throws a pitch for the Pirates he, he I don't even remember what was his issues nerves was it nerves also nerve
3: issues in his left forearm at the end of spring training where he couldn't feel himself gripping yeah. the baseball and they shut him I mean he may never pitch again like yeah
2: like they, they, that's
3: what you got to worry about with Gonzalez right now
2: and he's supposed to be your number two I mean it, Literally, like, that just makes me think, just talking about this, makes me think of uh, Lonnie all. <laughs> it just is like, we signed this guy, he was going to have a role with the team, and then he just, like, disappeared into the sunset for some unknown reason. <laughs> got hit
3: by a pitch in the last game of spring training and was never heard from again.
1: Well, and these are things that, uh, you know, we almost anticipate as Pirates fans. It's You know, we talk about it a lot. It never ends, I think is a fun phrase. Um, But these are things that are out of our control, that are out of the organization's control. Um, But you gentlemen both hit on a bunch there. There's a lot of things within this organization's control that are leading to further problems. You know, outside of the Lonnie Chisholm Halls of the world, uh, what we can only assume is going to be Marco Gonzalez's seasoning injury in Bradenton. Um, there's stuff within the organization's control that, uh, you know, you just scratch your head, looking at how this off season has gone, looking at how the winter meetings went really. And, you know, gentlemen, let's say I'm, uh, I have amnesia. I went into a coma starting 2020. When we started this podcast, even when Ben Sherrington was hired and I wake up now and I'm looking at this team in January of 2024 saying maybe this is probably when the window at least, at, at the very minimum starts. But you said it, Nick, something is up. Something is not right. Sean Minaya gets the highest dollar offer from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He decides that's not right in the most beautiful ballpark, in a team that should be trending upward. There's a lot of variables, and, you know, there's stuff that we don't know. But if you had to say, Nick, why or what is that thing that is just not right right now in Pittsburgh that is – leading to so many of these problems when it comes to free agency and everything else. Real quick before one second, before you go,
3: I I would just ask me to put back in the coma at that point.
1: (laughs) Maybe maybe 2022 or 2023 get put back in it. Nick,
2: please. To be honest, if you want my honest answer, which is like very conspiracy, like I can give you that, but no, please. That's what it's about. That's the one thing. I, You know, I question their lack of willingness to give out multi-year contracts. Um, you know, that was something that, like, you know, we've talked about the last few years, how they haven't given one out since, man, who was it again? Liriano. Am I wrong? Yeah, that? I know.
3: I think Liriano was the last multi-year free agent deal they've given out.
2: And, like, he was, like, a re-sign, technically. Yeah. You
3: know, like, actually, I think technically it would have been Freeze, but Freeze was similar, where, like, they, they resigned him. They extended him while he was still under contract. He never actually hit free agency. So, yeah, I think it was Liriano.
2: So, like, I don't know. Like, there's – last year it was reported there was a couple teams for sale that were mystery teams, essentially, and one of those, which I believe was the Orioles and that has gone through just I'm not trying to be a typical hopeful Bob's got to sell the team. Yeah, like I, I'm i getting the vibe that that's a real possibility. And I've been getting this since they moved on from the previous regime. It just all seemed weird the way they did it, the way um, Frank Coonley was involved with the team. And then like he was sent from the league to work with the team and just the way he kind of was then pushed out and what we heard about how he was handling the team with the owner um, where he was being very like not transparent with nothing. Apparently, you know, then I believe uh Kovacek said something, you know, that he talked to to Bob Nutting's father, and I can't even remember what he said. That's why I'm struggling with this, and I apologize. But he, like, reported something, and it just – I don't know. It just made sense that maybe this team – was going to be up for sale. And it got me thinking and you started seeing some stuff. Like I think someone, you know, brought up of um, Thomas tall. He's a um, minority owner of the Steelers. He, he had just moved to Pittsburgh around the same time, to start up a business. Um, people thought he was, you know, potentially going to be interested in buying the pirates. Cause he like made comments about it at, like, around that time, also, like how he would love to own them or something like that. And then, like a couple of years later, he sells this business for like four hundred million dollars that he started in Pittsburgh. Meanwhile, he like sold his his like really nice house out at Pebble Beach to move to Pittsburgh. you know, then you see like the Fenway group comes in and buys the Penguins. And Travis Williams gets hired by the Pirates, who he used to work with the Penguins. And then you have Bottarelli, who now like just has this influx of cash from selling the penguins. Like I said, I'm reaching for sure, you know, and then you see Mark Cuban sell his main stakes in the in the Mavericks and it's like he's made comments in the past about how yeah he he would have a hard time owning the pirates because he won't be able to run them the way he would want to and make money he has said that but a group might be a different situation maybe that's what's happening I don't know if, I'm I'm probably out on a limb maybe they're a mystery team that's up for sale and Um, you know, for some reason I always thought in my head, 2025 was a year and maybe that's, maybe that's where we're heading towards. And that's why they're not being all that aggressive in long-term deals. I, I don't know. It's like I said, it's a little bit of a conspiracy thought. There's more to it than that. You know, it's easy to connect dots. Like I said, when people are, when billionaires are talking about wanting to own teams and, selling things for the, that type of money, you know, it makes you think they have another, another move in mind. Right. Like,
1: so that's just kind of what I'm, well, you know, it's, it's connecting dots, but I think it's, there's truth behind any kind of thought process when, when it comes to that stuff, I think with the way that baseball is set up with the way the rules are with the way that baseball operates, you know, Mark Cuban obviously didn't, necessarily want to get in the Pirates uh, because that was a a losing business venture. On the other side of that coin, I think at a certain point, if you're Bob Nutting or, you know, if you're a group that can make this work in Pittsburgh, um, you know, I don't think that's unrealistic. And uh, I think at at a certain point, you know, when you start to realize, and time will tell, but I don't think baseball's rules are changing here. I mean, just some other things too, like
2: with Nutting was, Around that same time, that's when he put Seven Springs up for sale. And it's like, why are you selling Seven Springs? Like, literally, like, that's it in this area. Like, if you ski or snowboard, you're going there. You know, it's a good thing, right? And then he buys Wiggle Whiskey, which to me streams, like, retirement hobby. Like, you know, like, I'm going to own this whiskey place. And, we're you know, it's really... A niche in Pittsburgh in the Strip District, and like to me, that just screams like businessman retirement whiskey, you know. <laughs> and yeah, there was something else too that at the at the same time that he um either made comments on, but like I said, the fact that he was like selling some some of his main you know he sold i think seven springs for like 140 150 million dollars or something like that like you know is he i got the vibe he was looking at possibly like you know like i said was
1: hiring essentially mm-hmm. well Get, and, you know i i i don't think it's a stretch to say that he is a guy that's obviously a good businessman at the end of the day whether you know he's a winning baseball owner or not good businessman and you know a guy that that also did come out and i think it was 2018 maybe 2019 um you know after that season and said hey neil huntington's gonna be our gm the next time we're playing in a playoff game and you know clint hurdle's probably gonna be our manager the next time we're in a playoff game just two months later neither of those two are are no longer in the organization so i don't think that the narrative that they're trying to push necessarily dictates what the future looks like and i don't think connecting dots like that is necessarily out of line. you know, just looking at this past year, I think not to get way too off, you know, off base here. I think that's kind of what the off-season's about sometimes. But, you know, looking at, at what this year was, there was a lot of rule changes, but there were no rule changes to add parity. From what I could tell, it didn't seem like there was many rule changes that added competitive balance. Um, So, you know, maybe for for uh, Bob Nutting, this is OK. We're not going to win if we continue to get about it like this. We have to sell this team. Maybe new, uh, Mark Cuban is a realistic option in 2023, 2024 now. Um, you know, as, we, as we look to uh, other business ventures, he did sell his share, and there are other dots being connected. Maybe it's the Fenway Group. Maybe it's somebody, but it's just – I don't think it's a conspiracy, Nick, ultimately, uh, to back your point here. Um, it would make sense, I think, more than it wouldn't. It, a lot of it's age, too. Like, people
2: – like, Bob, I don't know off the top – how old he is but do you know marty i just googled it
3: he's 61 he let me see when his actual birthday is he'll turn 62
2: in march so almost 62 So like he's not right right about
3: retirement age
2: right and like you also like so like you said he is a businessman first and like he's a guy that i see like getting out of the sports world Like, and I guess that was my point with him selling seven springs. It's like, why is he getting out of that? You know, why would, why would you like, if you're not, it's, it's profitable. Right. I mean, it's like I said, but you also have guys like Mark Cuban, you know, who they, they tick a little differently and he might be looking at it and saying, Oh, like, this is like what I want to do in retirement is fix the pirates. Like, you know, like you just, you don't know how certain people think, you know, or act. And yeah, I just think that it's, it's there. The pirates operations are not matching their words. And I don't know. Like, you, they, they, it just feels like some of this stuff is real. Like, they are like being aggressive and like trying to sign some of these guys and like, but yet, are they, you know what I mean? It's just like we're hearing, I wrote about this the other day. Like, they're, they're in on all these guy people. And it's like, are they though? Because it's like they're not landing them, you know? And I, I get that there's factors not playing against them, but, I just like I said, their their actions aren't matching what they're what they're telling us, and it just feels different to me than it has in in the in the past. Like we're, in the past, it would be like, "Oh, we're like, we're yeah, no, we 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 love Garrett Cole. Like, you know, we understand where he is in his contract situation, but you know, he's going to be a big part of rotation." And it's like, "Yeah, all right, Neil, we'll so su- <laughs> We see that he's not on Pirates Fest. We know he's getting
1: traded. <laughs> like you know, like yeah. It was it, more real, I think, back then. It was more genuinely.
2: Yeah. Now it just it just feels like there's like something missing, you know.
1: And there's a lot going on this offseason too. I mean, you know, this new TV deal we talked about it last episode. For as much as it shouldn't dictate what they're doing as a franchise, I think, you know, it probably is to an extent. Um, but, you know, we heard it was a, a winning thing, I think. Was that was that the case, Marty, that we, with Sean Maniah, he had come out and said that he doesn't think that this team is going to be winning or they're going the right direction in general?
2: Well, I'm, I'm not sure Manaya ever actually said anything like that publicly. This With a, a team that uh, I think the report was he wanted to play for a competitor. Yeah, so. wanted to
3: play for a team that he saw was being able to compete, able to contend, which, I mean, just goes to tell you, again, this is year five and – and free agents don't see the Pirates as a team in a position to do that. And then you combine that with their track record of developing pitching in recent years. And I can't blame a pitcher for not wanting to come here. You know, I mean, Yariel Rodriguez is kind of the, the hot button now, and it, it looks like he's going to wind up. Uh, signing with Toronto. And if you read Ken Rosenthal had an update on that today, which basically made it sound like he's just trying to figure out some bees of things with the Canadian government. And once that occurs, he'll sign with the blue Jays and the pirates are a team who pursued him heavily. And, you know, of the teams that pursued Rodriguez, I think the pirates are probably the only team that have guaranteed him a spot in their starting rotation. And yet he's still going to choose to go elsewhere. Um, where you know, he's going to go to Toronto, where he might not even be in the rotation. He very well may work out of the bullpen when you look at the starting pitching that Toronto has accumulated in recent years. So the fact that you have guys signing with teams where they may not even be guaranteed a spot in the rotation, you have guys taking less money, um, it, it, it reflects very poorly on how this organization is viewed around baseball by, by agents, by players. It, it, it's not a good look.
2: There's this... Um... Dodger writer Michael Duarte from he writes for NBC out west he said Teoscar Hernandez said that there wasn't a lot of options and free agency for him so his decision to join the Dodgers was relatively easy because he knew that they would be a playoff team and thought LA would help him improve and become a better player it's like Literally, what we all just said. I just saw that, and it's literally what we just said. Like, the competitive team, and they believe in the organization. <laughs> I just look at look at Yuvasama taking the minor league
3: deal with Tampa Bay. He did that because he believes yeah. he's going to go to Tampa Bay. They're going to help him improve as a pitcher, and then in turn improve his value down the line. And yeah, like you said, that's exactly it. Was his words. That's why I tell Oscar Hernandez went to the Dodgers, even though he may not be in that lineup every day. You know, but he believes that the Dodgers are gonna make him a better baseball player. He's gonna have a chance to get a World Series ring along the way and then set himself up for next free agent, next offseason when he's in free agent again to ink a multi-year deal with the team potentially.
1: It makes last offseason almost look odd, you know, because it felt like last offseason moves were made that were within a rebuild, you know, we're within the the relative timeline of what we expected to be a window of contention, you saw guys like Carlos Santana saying, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go play in Pittsburgh. I'd love to, to, uh, you know, be a part of this organization. This off it has been the polar opposite of that. I mean, not one guy has come out and, you know, really wanted to play for this team. Um, obviously that shows, you know, with what they've done and, and we addressed it when the offseason started, what do they need? You know, what do they uh, desperately, they need pitching. They need a first baseman. They probably need some corner outfield help. Um, and they've addressed those needs, but it's with guys that you know you almost feel like are you're are like, taking a chance on, and, and they're doing the same thing, uh, you know, rather than guys that are legitimate major league baseball players that are going helping re- organizations. Last few years,
2: like you said, it, it it was Jose Quintana two years ago. Last year it was going to be Vince Velasquez, <laughs> and um, who am I missing? Hill, Hill, yeah. Like, I, I, I think with me, the most wild he thing is the- Santana to <laughs> the Brewers because they needed an upgrade at first base. And now we have the guy that we traded them. So that he could replace him. Like, I, I just, that's what I mean. I, yeah. I can't make sense of it. No, and, you know,
3: Trey, you mentioned last offseason of the moves they made, and it's wild because if you look at it, they operated last offseason more like a team looking to add to their major league roster to win now than they have this offseason. They were
2: holes last offseason. Yeah. They you went it. out and
3: you traded for G-Man Choi. You signed Carlos Santana. You brought back Andrew McCutcheon. You signed Hill and Velasquez. You traded for Dowie Moretta to stick him in your bullpen.
2: Connor Joe as well.
3: Yeah, you went and got Connor Joe, who quietly had a really good year for you offensively.
2: Again, like you said, Trey – rebuild moves still but like at least it looked like okay like that was different from the previous years yes. they like, were we're, gonna,
3: we're starting to reach the part of the rebuild where we want to start competing and start winning more and we saw that they won what was it 14 more games or whatever it was we saw that improvement and then this offseason you expected that to take another step and it just hasn't yeah i mean again like i said you brought andrew mccutcheon back it, you 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 added you added Marco Gonzalez and and Martin Perez to your starting rotation. But, like, are those guys really an improvement? And, you know, I, I get people are going to fire back with their well, last year down the stretch. They so only had two starting pitchers, which is true. But you lost one of those two to Tommy John. And the two guys you're looking to replace him with aren't better than him when he's healthy. So I I don't know. It, it's really frustrating to me. It's really weird to me. And I also wonder, too, if they're really, and this is a dangerous thing for any baseball team to do on so many levels, are they banking on, hey, come June, it's going to be Paul Skeens. It's going to be Jared Jones. It's going to be Anthony Solamedo. We're going to get Mike Bros back. We're going to get JT Brubaker back it almost comes off as if, as if that's what they're banking on for their starting rotation, but that's a really just dangerous, risky thing for any baseball team to do for a lot of reasons. You know, you don't know what brew breaker and burrows are going to be like post Tommy John. You, you have absolutely no idea. Um, if Jones or Solomeda are going to be ready for the majors, you know, they're both guys who last year when they bumped up a level to triple A and double A really struggled. Um, and even if that happens, even if those guys come up in June and pitch great, you could be—you're you're never going to win a division or clinch a playoff spot by June. But you sure as hell can be buried by June, you know. So I, I don't know. I don't get what they're doing. It makes no sense to me. Um, they certainly come off as a team that's ignoring their starting pitching needs. I—I I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I mean. Nick, you said at the top of the show, you could see them losing more games than they, and then last year. I mean, if I had to pick a record right now, I'd be in that like 72 to 73 win range. So, yeah, I would have them with a few less you wins know, than last year.
2: Honestly, you lose Andy Rodriguez and you lose Aviato, and you've added – like you've lost more this offseason from not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for just guys you lost in free agency and stuff like that, whatever. Like you, <laughs> your team has gotten worse. Yeah. essentially this off season. And, and, and it's the ripple down of that too. So, okay. You lose Andy who his calling card
3: had really become his ability to handle the pitching staff, work with the pitchers, his pop time to and second base.
2: Out. Yeah. Like,
3: so you're de- defensively. You, you get worse line. at catcher. By putting Henry Davis there, and well, Henry Davis may have the higher ceiling off. It definitely, is higher ceiling offensively. You get worse defensively, catcher. So then you got to take Henry Davis out of the DH right field equation. So now that's going to put a guy like Edward Olivares having to play a much larger role than he has any business playing on a team that's looking to contend. And,
2: and they're taking about twenty-five yeah. games away from
3: Davis, probably too. Yeah, exactly. That's tw- like probably twenty-five less games of his bat in the lineup. It, it's the ripple down of those things, you know. And that, that's where like I would love to see them. Go out and add another outfielder to in a lot of ways, weird to sound, you need to add an outfielder to place Andy Rodriguez almost. You know? Um, I would love to see them add a legitimate catcher who's not Ollie Sanchez to potentially help so that you don't have to play Davis at catchers off and you can get away with DHing him a little bit more, maybe. I, I don't know. Again, I, I agree with you completely that they, they've lost by doing nothing essentially because of the guys that they've lost this offseason to injury. I mean, you were, I think OV is going to quietly be a huge loss. He he he, – low-key had a really good season last year. He gave up like 20% of his runs across three just disaster starts. You were probably banking on him being a like three to four war pitcher this year. You know, and that's a lot to lose. And he was probably – you're probably
2: going to bank on him giving you close to 200 innings. Um, that, that's – He was, has been Gonzalez and Perez and – you know what i mean and that's you can't
3: count on those guys i mean perez perez has been in the majors off and on since 2012 and has had two good seasons gonzalez we've talked ad nauseum about his forearm issues um and then behind them it's young guys that you know you don't ronzi contreras and luis ortiz both look like they completely forgot a pitch last year Quinn Priester looked like he didn't belong anywhere near a major league roster. Bailey Falter is Bailey Falter. Like, you, your options behind those guys are, are less than thrilling and less than encouraging. And, you know, I know people are going to say, well, what if you put Paul Skeens in the opening day roster? Even if you do that, you better believe they're going to watch Skeens' innings and workload like a freaking hawk this season, as they should. So if if Skeens would start the year in the majors, all that's going to do is lead to him getting shut down by like August and not pitching at all in the majors in August and September. And and I understand that. I don't fault them for wanting to handle him that way. The last thing you want to do. And it's lazy because the comparison with him and Strasburg, but can you imagine had the pirates drafted Strasburg and then lost? What was it essentially a year and a half to Tommy John because they're not the Washington Nationals, they're not going to turn around and sign Skeens a long-term deal when he's set to be a free agent. And without that deal, that deals with the Nationals really were able to get their return and investment on drafting Strasburg, because then he helped them win the World Series and everything. You're not going to do that in Pittsburgh, so you you can't afford to run the risk of overworking Paul Skeens year one, and you know it leading to injury issues because. The the it? only way you're ever getting a pitcher the caliber of Paul Skeens in Pittsburgh is the way they did it drafting him. You right. you have to try and maximize these six or seven years you're gonna have with Skeens. It's I almost think of it in the NFL when you get that rookie window with with the with the with the, with the first contract with your quarterback. You know you gotta try and and maximize those years because that's when your quarterback's gonna be cheap and potentially be elite. You're going to be in a summer position with schemes. You've got to try and capitalize these six or seven years. You can't risk overworking him year one in a year that's probably going nowhere anyway and that leading to injury issues down the road.
1: I, I assume it's 90, probably 90 to 99% Pirates fans that listen to this podcast. But if you're not a Pirates fan listening to this podcast, you're sitting here thinking, Definitely not gonna be a pirates man. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, the riskiest thing you can do as a franchise is play the very best player in your system, um, but that's that's realistic. You know that is where we are at right now, um, and it, it signals. I don't want to say one of two things. I think it's one of several things. The way that they've handled this offseason, knowing that you know probably the best case scenario is that you do. Have Paul Skeens on your, on your major league team from the get-go and guys like Jared Jones and others. Um, but, you know, it signals that either, like you said, Nick, they are in a position where dots are connected and maybe a, a, a sell is on the way here, or they've given up on, you know, the hires that they made at GM and manager and everything else. And, and this is probably going to be, uh, you know, another bombshell of the season that they're going to have to blow up and restart again. Either way, um, you know, I think... Somewhat of it you can blame on uh, on the way things are, and it's tragic that the rules don't create a lot of parity within the game, but the Arizona Diamondbacks just played the Texas Rangers for the World Series. So I, I don't know if that and is they signed the
2: Eduardo Rodriguez. <laughs> and and
1: <laughs> both, both of those teams lost 100
3: games um, in 2021. Inside we one. We're Inside. under 500 in
1: 2022. <laughs> Marty, we only lost, uh, what was it, 20 games in 2020? That was pretty good there. Uh it's dour gentlemen this is um you know an episode that I think I don't want to say we we dreaded but we anticipated because I think by January of 2024 and there's still time spring training is not in January but um you know we anticipated maybe a, a little bit better of position post winter meetings you know as we get into this off season the pirates would at least be in a spot where you feel comfortable about their um, 2024 roster at least you feel like they haven't regressed. I think that's probably safe to say that they have. But let's let's do top of the trolley. It's going to be a little bit different this episode. Instead of picking one, you know, best moment of the week, best moment of the month, whatever it is, let's take the top three uh, most exciting moves of the offseason, whatever whatever that is, whether it's, you know, a contract that you liked or maybe it's a player that, you know, regardless of the contract, you're excited to see the signing go down. Uh, top of the trolley for... I guess the last couple months here for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Marty, you want to get us started? Your your top three moves that the Pirates have made over this last little stretch.
3: I mean, I mean, the top move is just as simple as it was, bringing Andrew McCutcheon back. I mean, there's no reason. As long as he wants to continue to play, especially playing at the level he did last year before he got hurt, um, it should be in Pittsburgh and nowhere else. Um Boy, after that, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
3: can <laughs> the fact that they said o'neill cruz is 100 healthy and ready to go for spring training like even though that's not not a roster move like i'd probably throw that in there um man after that it's it's tough i i don't know because like i don't i don't like the martin perez signing uh gonzalez you guys have heard me talk about that i don't i don't like the rowdy colez signing i would have there's a hundred different directions i would go on a first base um I don't know maybe bringing in Edward Oliveris from Kansas City cuz I think Oliveris does have some untapped potential there than as bad as a platoon guy if you could platoon him with Sawinski in the outfield um I don't know but yeah this, it, it, there there hasn't there definitely hasn't been a whole lot to inspire confidence this off season I mean you would have liked to see maybe an extension done with like a Mitch Keller or a David Bednar or something like that that hasn't gotten done either so uh yeah it's just uh, I'll I'll go with with resigning McCutcheon O'Neal Cruz being healthy <clears throat> and just cause I need a third one trading for all from Kansas city.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I'm going to stick Hutch right at the top. Also, I think that's obvious and an easy choice. I think after that, uh, <laughs> like you said, I'm, I'm sitting here tooling my thumbs trying to figure this out. Um, so we can go with it looks like um a lot of the pirates pitchers were partaking in drive line uh type workouts this off season, which is always good news typically when pirate. Pitchers leave the organization and get help outside. It has improved them dramatically, such as Mitch Keller and um, even Bert, Michael Burrows has told us that um, in the past that you know he he likes to work off campus during the off season and feels like he's really improved through doing that. Um, you know he didn't say it as direct, you know, but I would say that's number two is just seeing. Um, You know, because a guy like Priester, especially, like if he can add some just a couple miles per hour in velocity, like it can change the outlook on him. And you know, he has the size and frame to do that. So we'll see what happens. But and then I would say number number three would be um, it's it's a little bit of a, a pirate throwback. It, Clint Hurdle is back in the game with the uh, I believe the Angels organization, correct? With um, Ron Washington, right? He's who's yeah. So good to see him uh, finally get back into baseball on a more full time basis. You know, we talked a little bit about Neil Huntington the previous regime. We we always do. Um, you know, for one reason or another, but it it really is interesting to kind of see how um after they were let go, how long it's taken them to kind of get back into more prominent positions in baseball. Well, I will say with Clint, I think it was a little bit different because Hurdle
3: did yeah. technically announce his retirement after he was let go in 2019. So I think he was he was perfectly happy to take some time off away from baseball he was doing some
2: tv wasn't
3: he yeah because he was he was on mlb network for a while oh. and then he was a special assistant for the rockies or whatever it was and then Washington hired oh, yeah. him for his coaching staff so i mean yeah good for him I, i've always said well one day a few years down the road once all the wounds of how it ended are completely healed it's they're going to have a ceremony at pansy park for clint hurdle and probably retire number 13 for him for everything he helped accomplish here in pittsburgh so it'll uh yeah, I will, Clint Hurdle will always have a special place in my heart for the things he accomplished in Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we're 31 years old. Um, he did something no other manager has ever done. So it's, it's harder to not um, always. And plus, I mean, he was always such just a likable guy, you know, and like you said, Murray, the way things ended were rough, but You know, sometimes that's what happens after, you know, I mean, he was here for a a decent chunk of time, uh, especially given recent history of managers. But yeah, yeah.
3: It it was kind of like the old adage of what is it? Either you die a hero, you'll live long enough to become a hero kind of thing. And that's kind of, at the end, everything had run its course. What's happening with Mike Tom? I was going to say it's very. That it's not in a way. Like I was thinking that same thing.
1: Is that – quick sidetrack, because you gentlemen know. I I follow the Steelers loosely, just NFL general. In the city of Pittsburgh, is that – is there a hot seat there? Oh, people would oh, – Yeah, t- people
3: in Pittsburgh went home and gone. It
1: was reported
2: today that he'll be back. And, like, it, there's, like – people are upset. And I get it. I I'm I'm a little bit in that camp. I'm like, you know, I'm like, whatever. Like, if he's coaching next year, like – that's
1: fine. Like, i a mean, quarterback. But, that team but, is almost like the Pirates making the playoffs this past season in a way, though. I mean, that's a young –
2: I'd say, you know. They got so lucky, man, and that's what it comes down to. You got uh, – oh, man, what is that? This The thing that Triolo was historically – BAPIP, his BAPIP. Yeah was right, like ridiculous. What the, the Steelers bad pip would be <laughs> like they, they're they, they were, batting like, average and balls and play be through the roof they played the Browns and the Ravens earlier this year and they those teams literally looked like they were trying to lose the games like so for everything that goes wrong for the Pirates things kind of go right for the Steelers in that sense but yeah no it's it's a it's a real thing. Uh, people are sick of the same old, same old, essentially. So. That is crazy.
1: Um, yeah, I think just down the block there, same street. Uh, I think we're feeling a little bit differently in PNC. Um, but, you know, different uh, different league with different parity. And that is why I think the best thing that I'm going to highlight, I don't necessarily have a top three here. I'm going to cop out Mark Cuban selling his majority ownership of the Dallas Mavericks is, uh, I think, the number one thing that has happened this offseason, uh, sour pierogi, and it's cold, guys. I mean, it's hard for pierogies to go stale in general, I think, with uh, with the freezing temperatures we have. Let's say a pierogi has gone sour, a little bit stale this offseason. What is um, the low point? <laughs> I think this episode, maybe we could call it the, uh the sour pierogi. Um, but, you know, if there was one thing this offseason, Nick, that uh, you had to highlight as your sour pierogi.
2: Yeah, uh, the guys at North Shore Nine did a good job of highlighting this, um, and you know it was it was the Pirates fest. They they were giving out these pirate fan bags, and you know you're expecting to get like Jack Swinsky, Brian Reynolds, and they're getting guys that like we forgot even were Pirates at times, like Heath Henbury, and I don't even. I can't even come up with some of them now off the top of my head because it's been a little bit, but it was players who weren't, aren't here, who weren't even relevant when they were here. And you could tell it was just them dumping, you know, a bunch of merch that they essentially had. I don't know. It's just, again, just... The Pirates organization just can't do anything right. And, you know, they again stumbled um even in just trying to do something easy. Like
1: in f- time, too. I mean, this was not, you know, Pirates I, Fest did they, not happen. They that hadn't had, been- had Pirates Fest since before COVID. They'd had like you four years that, to get this that
3: right. made.
2: Like before even mid-season, like why do we have stuff?
3: <laughs> For Keith Henry played like 10 games on this team two years ago. Like what is happening?
1: And, and that's the thing. You know, Marty, I, we got to get to your shower pierogi here as well. Pirates Fest in general, obviously the get bags, and I haven't seen that. It's very unfortunate to find out. Uh, Pirates Fest in general, was it an overall decent experience? I wasn't there. I don't know. I just saw it on
2: Twitter, and it looked miserable. Yeah, to what I to what I understand, it was a lot more um, of your typical like Travis Williams talking about Instagram events <laughs> and what they're gonna do at Pirate Games this year, and not so much about like the actual team, you know, they had their Q and a there and you know, they were, they answered their questions. But like I said, it's like, I I don't even know what to believe them with anymore. So. Well, you you did see how they set up the Q and
3: a, correct. You had to submit your questions ahead of time so they could screen them, and then they only answered the questions that the front office chose instead of having people ask them questions. So yeah, there
1: you go. All right. Yeah. I mean, just it feels dystopian this offseason in general. I mean, just poor optics. You're going to bring it back at some point, I'm sure, if you're the Pirates, but (laughs) questionable offseason to do so, I'd say overall. Um, Marty, you're sour for for this winter. Yeah, I
3: mean, there's a lot of options here, unfortunately, I feel like. But uh, I'll go with the injury to Andy Rodriguez. Um, You know, we talked about it a lot last year with O'Neal Cruz. The worst part of that injury may have been losing a very, very, very important developmental season. That injury happened on his developmental timeline at about the worst time possible to O'Neal. And that's where we're at this year with Andy. This was the worst possible time for it. 2024 year 2024 excuse me was supposed to be his year to take control of his pitching staff be the everyday catcher make strides as a major league hitter and now all of that is out the window. And I understand Tommy John's not a huge deal for catchers, but a big part of Andy's game back there is he does have that great pop time and does a really good job of controlling the opposing running game. What's that going to look like post surgery? We have no idea. So I'll go with that. I mean, again, it's the Pirates, man. You get this catcher who's at a consensus top 50 prospect in baseball, comes up last year, struggled offensively, but showed some really good things in like the intangibles of a young catcher. You know what I mean? Like the body language with your pitching staff knowing when to use the mound visits, knowing how to pump your pitchers up, stuff like that. The stuff that you can't teach, you, you know, the stuff that a lot of times either you got or you don't as a catcher. And he goes and blows out his elbow playing a winter ball. So, um, Hey, that's the pirates, man. But yeah, I'll go with that. Cause I think this is, this was going to be a very important year developmentally for Andy Rodriguez, much the same as last year was supposed to be for O'Neal Cruz, only for injury to derail things.
1: Yeah. You know, and it kind of goes with the the Johan Oviedo news as well, two critical prospects that uh, won't be around this upcoming season, Um, which, you know, who knows how that derails this franchise and um, what 2024 looks like. It's going to be interesting, whether that has a positive connotation, a negative connotation. This is going to be a wild year because um, moves will be made. You know, we talked about this trade deadline, didn't think we would be sitting here talking about what we would be looking like, um, you know, heading into spring training, but at the deadline last year, we said a year from now, that's when we know what Ben Charrington's scenario looks like along with probably Derek Shelton and others as well. Uh, as we wrap it up here, Nikki had the article on the international window opening up, um, you know, maybe some disappointment there <laughs> early on here, but uh, just kind of generally, what are you expecting out of this uh, international signing period?
2: Uh- I'm expecting a fairly prominent group. Um, they have, you know, some of the highest money to spend of any team. And I believe that they had acquired some, um, money for this, this signing period as well along the line. So they, they've, they've signed, um, some interesting guys led by, here we go. Braylon Brazaban and Abdul Feliz. And they, both are like your prototypical international signs they both kind of have their their rankings of being um, top 50 guys but they're not they're not top 25 on MLB pipeline which the pirates have been landing those guys more in the past previous years which is why you see that this group is is going to be a, a larger group. They're sp- they're spreading that money out more this year for sure. They've already signed like I think like twenty guys. So you know, well, um, they have you know the rest of this calendar year essentially to spend. So as more players pop up and become of age to sign, you know, you'll we'll see that um, you know happen from there
1: going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, for the Pirates, this is where they've had some of their, their bigger successes in the international signing window. So we'll we'll see what we got there. Uh, Marty, I'll let you handle the, the Minor League Minute as we wrap it up here. Um, you know, anything just kind of generally you want to highlight? I know uh, you mentioned earlier Mike Burroughs, a little bit unorthodox. He worked out at, I think he said, a pizza place during COVID. Uh, any kind of cool off-season stuff we got going on here, Marty, for our Minor League Minute?
3: No, I mean... Uh... You know, you you look back on the Arizona Fall League, um, you know, it wasn't as eventful of a year there for the Pirates this year. It's been years past. You know, last year you had Nick Gonzalez. He had Henry Davis. you had some bigger names there. This year there wasn't the case, but Jace Bowen had a nice showing. Um, he's a guy I think worth monitoring this year. Could potentially hit his way up to the majors as that kind of like first base, right field, right-handed hitting guy with a little bit of pop um but yeah you know i think it's it's a big season ahead for a lot of minor league guys uh jared jones we mentioned last year got promoted to triple a and really struggled anthony solomato got promoted to double a and really struggled i definitely have a lot more concerns moving forward about solomato than I do jones i think Jones' stuff's good enough he'll figure something out um and at least pan out of the good like back end of the rotation arm worst case scenario if not more um solomato there's some f- Issues there at the fastball being flat, and some of the similar things that were being said about Quinn Priester a few years ago. So that's not good. Um, But yeah, I I just I think as a whole, you know, you look at this minor league system, and it's a big year. I said Bubba Chandler's got a lot to prove after struggling last year. You know, do we see Tamar Johnson make a big jump um, and maybe get his way up to Double A quickly? What 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 does Paul Skeens do? Obviously, that's going to be the big one to watch. So um, we'll see. You know, there there's a lot. Going on, I think, in a lot of ways, this is going to start a, a stretch where it's going to be make or break time for Ben Charrington. I think uh, what happens in the minors is going to be part of that because with the way he's built this major league roster, if they're going to want to win games in 2024, they're probably going to need to get a lot of help in the minor leagues. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what these guys can do.
1: Need them. Uh, you know, and you mentioned a lot of guys there that you almost begin to, to turn the page to, as, as sad as that is. You almost start to look to the next window of, uh, the next wave, I guess, of prospects, maybe that blends here into 2024. We expect to see Paul Skeens. We expect to see Mike Burroughs potentially Anthony Salamado and others here, uh, in this 2024 campaign, uh, real quick TV deal. What is the update there, Marty? Um, I don't think there's still much, a whole lot known
3: on definite numbers and everything. And I, I still wonder how much the pirates know there and how much that's potentially impacting what they've done this off as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have the TV deal done. They're going to remain on Sportsnet Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned this last episode where they, they've really revamped their coverage of the Penguins this year. So I'm hoping same with the Pirates. Um, you know, even when the Penguins are on national TV, they're still doing pre- and post-game shows. The pre- and post-game shows are longer, going into a lot more detail, a lot more in-depth. So I'm hoping we see similar things with the Pirates this year as well, just because, uh, you know, it's always nice to have – you know, that that little bit extra there to watch, to consume. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully their, their coverage of the Pirates will be similar to the way they've revamped their – and in and, and the process really improved their coverage of the Penguins.
1: We have the Rito Clemente Bridge reopened. We have a new TV deal potentially uh, and an off season to wrap up here. Uh, as we wrap it up, gentlemen, any articles, anything going on on rumbudger.com that you want to highlight is, uh, as we begin to wrap it up?
3: Yeah, just because I kind of touched on it, you know, I've mentioned some of the concerns of red flags around Marco Gonzalez. I've got an article about that up on the site that, uh, well, we're recording here on, what is today, anyhow, Tuesday, right? Yeah, <laughs> Tuesday. It's no days, it's all the same. It is, listen, I didn't have, as a teacher, I didn't teach, I didn't have work on Monday, and today was a two-hour delay. Tomorrow's already a two-hour delay. I'm all out of whack. But, um, yeah, I went up on Monday about some of the concerns and red flags around Marco Gonzalez, um, what to watch for there and why that could be a concern this year and beyond. Um,
1: but yeah, that, that that's my big one lately that I have. Guys, go check that out. Rumhunter.com, Marty's articles. Nick's articles, we have them no on, I think, our last episode. Cody, the one before that, there are articles there, along with our incredible staff of writers that are keeping us going through this offseason, getting us to 2024, getting us to Bradenton. Go check that stuff out. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Rumunter. Uh, and be sure, as always, to uh, you know hit the like uh, on whatever you see article wise, Twitter wise and on our podcast as well. We appreciate you all sticking with us here uh, into 2024, sticking with us through this rebuild and, um, you know, what is going to be a pivotal year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But for Nick Caparoso and Marty Leap, uh, the next time we talk, hopefully uh, some help is on the way here. Can't guarantee it, but we are excited for it. Thank you all for joining us. We're gonna see you next time. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. Stay safe and stay warm. And let's go, Bucks.